Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. And here we are. Almost into 2022. So I have chosen a title for my message this morning, Crossing Over. In a few days, we will be crossing over into the new year. Amen? Thank God that he has brought us this far. Ebenezer. 2021, as all of us know, has been a challenging and a difficult year, to say the least. We have been restricted through constant lockdowns, bombarded every single day with statistics of death and infections, while many have lost their jobs and others have lost their lives. Thank God our spiritual family seems to be unharmed and untouched by these events, and we give thanks and glory to God for that, for preserving us, for keeping us, for protecting us, and for providing for us throughout this challenging year. But as you know, this terrible pandemic has unleashed so much death and fear throughout the entire world like no other in the last perhaps 100 years. We have not seen anything like that, well, at least in my years, such as we have seen in the last couple of years. Whole nations have been shaken, shattered, causing massive damage to their economies. And while scientists are battling to curb the tide of this terrible disease that seems to spread like fire. But as we stand at the closing of this difficult year, I am sure that all of us are wondering, what will next year be like? Don't you wonder? What will next year, 2022, look like? And how long will this terrible pandemic last? Well, I am sure that all of us want to see an end to this disease that has caused so much havoc and so much disruption to our daily lives. But in reality, though, we don't really know what awaits us next year, do we? I recall at the end or at the closing of 2019, Michael had a slogan or a saying. 2020, he used to say, will be a year of plenty. But he didn't specify what plenty would be. And surely we had plenty of challenges. Yeah, well... We don't know what the future holds, but one thing we can be certain of, that whatever happens, whatever comes our way, our Heavenly Father will help us to face it, 
and not only face it, but through him we will overcome it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord Jesus warned us that in our world we will have tribulation. But we are not to fear. He told us, fear not, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. We don't have to fear. Why? Because he said, I have overcome the world. And if we are in him, we have already overcome, not going to, but have overcome in Christ whatever the enemy throws at us. And I say that because scripture teaches that the greater one is alive within us. And that makes all the difference, folks. And his promises is just as powerful, just as relevant today as in the day he spoke them to us. One of those promises that I hold very close to my heart and mind is found in the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to read those two verses from Isaiah 43, verse 1 and 2. And I trust, there you go. Thanks, Megan. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Aren't you glad that you belong to the Lord? That you and I are his? He says, I have called you by your name. You are mine. You belong to me. And because of that, he says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, he didn't say we're not going to walk through fires. He didn't say we're going to have a rosy, comfortable uh, life in this world. He said you will walk through the fire. It's not a matter of if, but when. Amen? He says, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Wow, what a promise from God. So perhaps in 2022, we will pass through many troubled waters. We will walk through many rivers. But he promised that he will be with us and bring us through. We're not going to drown in it. We're going to be brought through again and again. And we may walk through fiery trials, but he promised that we will not be burned, we will not go down, but we will triumph through them all. The only thing the fire is going to burn is the things that the world has attached to us. Amen? The psalmist said, what a beautiful way to describe it. Psalm 66, verse 12, it says, We've passed through fire and flood, yet in the end you always bring us out better than we were before saturated with your goodness. I don't know how many can ascribe to that, but I can certainly, through the years of my walk with the Lord, can ascribe to that. That even though I've passed through fire and flood, not once, not twice, but several times, 
in the end, God always brought me through much better than I was before and showered me and saturated me and my family with His goodness. So having these precious promises, dear brethren, we can face the future with confidence and with courage. Amen? The Word of the Lord, which I'm bringing you today, has a twofold purpose. When God gave it to me, He gave me two reasons or two purposes. First, it is to encourage us and prepare us as we exit this year And second, to challenge the way we think in regards to pursuing our God-given goal with passion, passion and perseverance. So these two things, encouragement and, of course, pursuing our God-given goal with perseverance. So I've chosen my text from the epistle of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, because I believe the words of Paul in these verses are the most appropriate in regards to where we stand at this moment of time. So let's read them together, please. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through to 15, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, notice these words, therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. The Passion Translation says in one of those sentences, I forget all of the past and I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Here we see the Apostle Paul opens up and shares with us his innermost desires and his innermost pursuits. He's being very vulnerable with us. In doing so, he says that all who are mature in Christ should have the same desire and should have the same goal in life as he had. And so we're going to look at his desire, what was his goal, what was he pressing forward, what was he looking forward as he looked into his future when he wrote these words. And I believe these words apply to us. And in his statements, he shares some powerful principles that have helped him to overcome the many trials and challenges he faced, and also made him the kind of person that he was. Amen? And so the reason I'm sharing these statements is so that we can prepare ourselves. We stand at the threshold of a new year. We can prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually as we are about to cross over. It's very important. 
And my aim this morning is to challenge our way of thinking so that we can adopt, as we look into the future, we can adopt a Christ-like mindset. The same mind that Christ had, the same mind that Paul had, a mindset that will enable us not only to face whatever comes, but also to overcome the challenges in the coming season. Amen? So our faith and mental attitude, you need to understand that makes a huge difference how you encounter whatever you're facing. The way you think, the mental attitude that you adopt will make a huge difference whether you will overcome or whether you will become depressed, complaining, grumbling, and hide yourself in a corner somewhere. Amen? So, the way we leave is the way we enter. Amen? That means the way we leave one season is the same way that you will enter the next season. Amen? Do you believe that? So that's why we should never leave with anger. We should never leave with sorrow, with regrets, with unforgiveness, with fear, because those negative thoughts and negative attitudes will follow you into the new season that you enter. You know, the Bible prescribes there is only one acceptable way to leave any season, anywhere, any place, or any relationship. And it is prescribed in Isaiah 55 and verse 12. That's the only scriptural way we leave. For you shall go out with joy and be led with peace. You see the way we leave? Not with regrets, not with anger, not with unforgiveness, not with bitterness in our heart, not with a grumbling attitude. But we leave with joy and with peace. What a wonderful way to leave one season and enter into another. Leave one place and into another. The joy will come with you. The peace will come with you. And then he goes on to say, The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you as they see you coming. Amen. Did you know that the trees of the field, the Bible says, will sing and clap their hands as they see you coming with joy and peace into the next season? Wow. That to me has been a great blessing and has made it a principle. I will never leave any place, anywhere, unless I have the peace of God and the joy of the Lord in my heart. And so many people today leave one place into another, one relationship into another, one church into another with offense, with unforgiveness. Sad. And they carry that baggage into the next place they go. That's why one of the, one of the principles we have in our fellowship is if you want to become part of this fellowship, 
you've got to let us know that you left the other place with joy and with peace. Because if you didn't, you're going to bring your baggage into the atmosphere of the spiritual family, and you will pollute the atmosphere. Amen? So we should get rid, before we enter the next year, we should get rid of anything that is not of God. Amen? We need to have a service, I think, sometimes on the 31st, a service of repentance and putting off all those things that are not of God. Amen? We leave with joy because we have so much to celebrate. And we've just celebrated the birth of our Savior, Christmas. But what is this celebration all about, really? What are we celebrating? Isaiah prophesied many hundreds of years ago that the virgin will bring forth a son, and his name shall be what? Called Emmanuel. What does that mean? Hallelujah. God is with us. This is what we're celebrating. God is with us, and not only with us and for us, but in us. And this is why we leave, we walk. Every day should be Christmas for us. I mean, it shouldn't be any different than any other day. Because we have the risen Christ within us. He's no longer in a manger. He's no longer on the cross. He lives within our hearts. Amen? He walks with us. He talks with us. He counsels us. He comforts us. He empowers us to face the challenges of life, the tests and the trials. Amen? That's why we have a reason to celebrate, to rejoice, and to have the peace of God in our hearts. Amen? And that was God's entire purpose in sending forth His Son to be born of a virgin so that he could live within us. Praise God. That's what we're celebrating. And the wonderful thing about being a disciple of Christ is that we carry the presence of God with us. And this is the mystery, Paul says, that was hidden from generations past. The old saints of the old covenant didn't know, but we do. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Plus, not only that, but the Word says that no weapon formed against you will ever prosper. So when God says to us, no matter what the enemy plans or throws at you, it will never succeed, it will never prosper. Even though at times it seems like it's prospering, but the Word of the Lord says it will never prosper. Why? Because God looks at things from the, from, the, uh, from the perspective of eternity. He says, nothing will prosper. Nothing will cause you to fail. That's my promise. And this is your heritage as a servant of the Lord. Nothing will prosper. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 8 to mention some of those things that the enemy throws at us in order to derail us, in order to oppress us. And in Romans chapter 8, he, he talks, I encourage you, when you get home, read 
Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 35 through to 39. Listen to what Paul says. These are some of the things the enemy throws at us. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder the omnipotent love, even though it is written all day long, we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered, yet... Even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all, for God has made us to be more than conquerors, and His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. And so now, I live with a confidence, and that's the way we should live every single day, not with fear, not with doubt, not with regrets, but with confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. And I am convinced, he goes on to say, that his love will triumph even over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or demons or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing, listen to this, in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. Come on, guys. Let's give the hand. Let's give the Lord a real hand. Amen. No matter what you're facing, when you read those words and you allow them to saturate your mind and, and your heart, you rise and you rejoice in the midst of the most severe challenges and circumstances. Thank God for His Word. Amen. That's why Hebrews 13, 6 says, The Lord is my helper, and this I will declare, I will not fear what man can do to me. Hallelujah. Now let me tell you what there is one thing that we should fear. And that one concern or one fear should be that we are always found in the place of doing the will of God. To be obedient to the will of God at any cost will only strengthen and develop us both spiritually and emotionally. Jesus lived his life this way. Paul lived his life this way. Jesus said, my food or my strength comes from doing the will of my Father. You need strength, emotional, spiritual, physical. Engage with God. Be obedient to his will. Simple as that. Amen? 
Do what God tells you to do. So just as Jesus was sent into the world to represent the Father, even so you and I are sent into this world to represent Jesus. And the secret of remaining and abiding in God's presence is to constantly obey, constantly submit ourselves to the will of God. That's, that's just as simply as I can put it. And our greatest fear, as I said, should be the fear of stepping out of the will of God and doing our own thing by pursuing our carnal and our selfish desires. There's the danger. That's what we should fear. Lord, help us. Keep us from stepping outside of your will because there is no life there, there's no protection, there is no covering, there is no blessing. So we better make sure as a, as a spiritual family and as individuals, we are always pursuing the will of God. Amen? And this is the reason, listen carefully, that we need a stabilizing force. A goal, if you will. Or a godly vision that will keep us focused, that will keep us disciplined and steadfast in our pursuit. All of us need that. Paul had such a goal. That's what kept him. His secret of success was to keep moving forward towards the goal. And that's what he said. He said, I keep reaching, reaching forward towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was his goal. That was his vision. That was his passionate pursuit. And that's what kept him on the straight and narrow that no matter what the enemy threw at him, he remained steadfast, he remained faithful unto the end. And at the end of his life, you remember what he said? I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Amen? Wow, what words. You see, every single one of us, folks, needs this God-given goal that will keep us from being derailed from our pursuit. And I'm not talking about a selfish goal or a soulish desire that just includes you and yours only. I'm talking about a goal that is bigger than ourselves. Hello? So few have this goal today. And I pray that all of us, as a family and as individuals, will have a goal that will stretch us because it's bigger than ourselves. We will have a goal that will challenge us, that will cause us to be disciplined and will develop within us a Christ-like character. That will do 
a goal, a God-given goal, a dream. And when God gives you a goal or a dream, it is much bigger than yourself. You cannot fulfill it on your own or in your own strength. You need divine assistance to accomplish what God calls you to do. Hello? So I pray that next year we will rise and we'll take hold of that goal as a spiritual family, as as individuals as well, and begin to push a goal that will stretch you, challenge you, and develop Christ-like character within us. Do we have such a goal? That's the question we need to answer. Have we realized what our goal in life is? Or are we still searching for it and groping around to find it? Hello? Paul said, nothing was too much or too dear for him to sacrifice for that pursuit. Nothing. He wasn't stuck in the past, and he wasn't trying to find a comfortable, a comfortable place to camp. Amen? God doesn't want us to be campers. He wants us to be pioneers and climbers. Amen? He said, I press toward my goal. I press toward means that he was having resistance. Otherwise, why would he be pressing? There was a wind coming against him. There were circumstances that opposing. And that's what will happen to you and I when we embrace that God-given goal. Satan is going to make you a target. Do you think he's going to leave you alone because you decided to do something for God? No. He is going to unleash against you everything that he has in order to stop you, and if he cannot stop you, derail you. So you don't get to fulfill your God-given purpose, your God-given goal, or the dream that God has given you. And we have so many of that today that have made shipwreck of their faith. They last for a while, but then they fade away. They may last for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but at the end of their lives, they failed. It's not how you start. It's how we finish the race. Amen? Are you with me? Wow. So anytime you choose and decide to do the will of God, you will encounter opposition. You need to know that. Resistance. He will tempt us with thoughts of inadequacy. He will come with fear and intimidation. What will people say if you do this? They'll think you're crazy, man. Just cool down. Don't be a risk taker. Hello? Are these thoughts familiar? You know, one creative idea from God can touch so many lives and can extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom far and wide. 
I recall in my younger years as an evangelist to the Greek nation, that passion burned so brightly within me, nothing was too much to sacrifice. I would travel and leave my wife and my three children and my business for weeks at a time. And I would do it with joy and pleasure because I was doing the will of God in that season of my life. And that goal, that passionate desire often drove me on my knees and I would fast and I would pray with tears in my eyes calling out to God to help me fulfill the dream. And in seven years' time, I went from Masvingo, a little town in Zimbabwe, to all of the cities in Zimbabwe, to the cities in South Africa, all over South Africa, the main cities. I went to Cyprus, to Greece, to Canada, to the United States, Australia, and established ministry offices. Me, a little me from a little dorpy called Masvingo. It's not even on the map. What took me there? It was this goal. I pray for all of us that in the days to come, God will breathe into your spirit just like he breathed into Joseph's spirit through a dream. Now, God has so many ways of revealing his godly purpose for you. There's a general purpose for all of us, but there's also a unique purpose for you, for your family. And I'll tell you this, you'll never be satisfied. You will never find joy the way God wants you to express and to, and to enjoy the peace of God until you find that divine, unique purpose that God created you for. Hello? You're still with me? God help us. And so, the abiding presence of the Lord, the anointing of His Spirit residing within us, is not just to help us overcome our daily challenges and trials that we face as as you go to work or you face a situation in your family. It is to help you and empower you to fulfill your God-given purpose. That's why God anointed you. To go beyond yourself. To reach out and touch others through the gifts and the callings and the grace that God has deposited within you and me. Amen. It is to finish your race strong, to keep the faith, and to complete the work he has given us to do, folks. Amen. Yes, God has already given us a goal. I don't know whether you realize it or not. He's not going to dream up something for you now. The Bible says he already, before you came into existence, there was something that he needed you to do. That's why he gave you birth. Amen? God knew that there was something that needed to be accomplished, and he brought you into the world so that you can accomplish it. 
It's not something that is going to dream up now as you go home and give it to you. It's already there. In fact, the Bible says He has already prepared your life, your goals, your, your pursuit, and what He created you for. It's already in the book that is written about you and me. <laughs> you want me to prove it to you? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And Psalm 139 tells us that. I won't go read that, but I'll read Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared, when? Beforehand that we should walk in them. One of my prayers for next year is, Lord, cause my works of righteousness, help me, so that they are multiplied. My assignments in life may be multiplied, and through them I may reach and encourage and strengthen your body. There it is. God the Father, the Word says, created us in Christ Jesus through the new birth for the purpose of good works which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our goal is to finish the work He has ordained and prepared for us to do. And in doing so, the Word says we bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father and attract many others to His saving grace and mercy. Remember what Jesus said? Let your light so shine before men that they may see what? Your good works. We're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Paul, at the end of his life, knowing that he has completed the work that the Lord had given him to do, he said this. I love these words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. In other words, I've completed my work and I have kept the faith. And now he says, I'm waiting for that crown of righteousness for my reward. And when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not the judgment that the unsaved will stand, but the judgment to receive your reward of what you've done in the body in this life, I believe many of us will be shocked. All of us will be shocked when God says, well, this is what I've intended for you and this is what you've managed to do. Amen? Are you out there? <laughs> the Passion Translation says, I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course with all of my might and I kept my heart full of faith. And Jesus said the same thing to the Father just before he went to the cross. He said, Father, I have glorified you on the earth. How? I have finished. Please, don't let anyone, any one of us, go home without completing your work. I've heard testimonies of people that died and went to heaven, and Jesus said, go back, go back. Your work is not finished yet. Would I know when I've completed my race? I believe you would. If you're close to God, 
If you walk with him in an intimate and personal relationship, you will know in your heart whether your work is finished. And let me tell you something. No sickness can touch you. No death can touch you. When you have a goal, when you have a purpose, and you pursue that with a passionate that God gives you, death cannot touch you. And they tried to kill Paul several times. They whipped him. They stoned him. Nothing could put him down. Why? Because he had that God-given goal and he was pursuing it with all of his might. He wanted to finish. Amen? Jesus finished his work at 33 years of age. It's not how long you live. It's how smart you live. Amen? Sometimes we read people in the Old Covenant, they lived like Methuselah, lived 800, 700 and some years, but the Bible says nothing about him. He just lived and he died. (laughs) Amen? This is what I like on my tombstone. He finished his work. He finished his work. I have kept the faith. Amen? I have run my race. Paul's goal in life was to finish his race, complete the work that the Lord assigned him to do. Jesus was the same. Finish the work. And so we ought to have the same mind. That's why I said to you, I want to challenge your way of thinking today. Is your dream too small? Is your goal too small that just includes you and your wife and your husband? Us, uh, Lord, my wife and I us, and my two children, us four and no more. And we don't go beyond that. Well, you may say, well, God hasn't given me anything to do. Well, are you sure about that? What about the calling? What about the gifts and the grace and the, that God has bestowed upon you? There are so many good works that God intends for us to accomplish in this life. Amen? So my prayer for each one of us in the coming year is to complete our God-given assignments, our God-given work, which the Father prepared for us and finish well so that we can stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ and receive our reward. And hear those wonderful words. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have completed the work I've given you to do and now enter into the joy of your Lord. I recall when the season of me being an evangelist came to an end in Zimbabwe. I heard the call of God to move to South Africa. And just as we were about and preparing to move, I was walking up our upstairs. We, have, we had an upstairs uh, house as well that you would walk upstairs and, and where the bedrooms. I don't remember why I was going up, but as I walked up those stairs, I heard the voice of the Lord clearly in my spirit. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the little. Now I'm going to promote you into greater things. And that's when God called me into the pastorate. I thank God for his presence. So my personal conviction in closing as to why good And well-meaning Christians, listen carefully now, they end up falling into sin 
and they destroy their testimony in Christ is because they're not occupied with the will of God on their lives. They are not passionately pursuing the God-given goal either because they don't know it or because they rebel against it. Let me share with you this principle. Just as in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. I believe that the number one cause of violence and theft and killing in South Africa is unemployment. See, when people have a work to do, someone said idle hands is the hands of the devil. When they have no work, they get up in the morning, they don't know why, they they wake up, nothing to do. And I believe that unemployment in South Africa is the major cause, the number one cause, that people end up stealing and killing and creating all this violence. So it is in the spiritual. Spiritual unemployment is the cause of the believers falling into mischief. Are you listening to me? Now, because they're not engaging God in fulfilling the purpose, they are sidetracked into many foolish and harmful lusts. One example, and I close. You remember David? King David was supposed to be in the front line of his troops, fighting battles for God. But he decided to stay home and take a vacation. And while in the palace, he looked out the window and he saw Mrs. B bathing. That's Bathsheba. And you know the story. You know what happened. David wasn't supposed to be in the palace. He was supposed to be commanding his troops in battle. Why did he fall? He was out of place. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And when you are not where you're supposed to be, doing what God called you to do, being who you are in Christ, engaging yourself in fulfilling your purpose, you are going to fall into mischief. You will be derailed. I don't care how strong you are. Amen. He was out of place and out of God's will, and the result was disastrous. So, my beloved brethren, let us learn these valuable lessons for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of our loved ones, and for the sake of your testimony. And as the new year approaches, let us set our minds to focus on the mission at hand, forgetting those things of the past, good and bad, fastening our hearts towards the future and pressing toward your God-given goal in Jesus' name. Let's stand and thank God that he has given us a goal, that he has given us a dream that is much bigger than ourselves, that he has given us a purpose in life, that we can wake up in the morning and know that we're not there by accident, We are there by divine purpose. And there are many lives that are waiting for us. 
One day I was praying and asking the Lord, this, this person had severe, severe challenges financially. I've been praying for him for months. And one day I said, Lord, what is your plan? When is this going to end? Do you have a plan? What is your plan for this situation? You know what the Lord said to me? You are my plan. <laughs> you are my plan. God has a plan. You are that plan. Why? Because God anoints people. He doesn't go there personally and appear and says, Hello, I'm Jesus. I've come to help you. I've come to minister to you. I've come to encourage you. I've come to lay hands on you and to heal you. No, he sends you and I. We are his body. What's your plan, Lord, for this family? You are my plan. Amen? So when you start praying and seeking God, he's going to show you the plan. And he's going to give you wisdom how to execute that plan. So when he said to me, you are my plan, the next thing I prayed, Lord, give me the wisdom. He did. And I did. Amen. I want to hear some wonderful encounters you had with the Lord next year. And some wonderful testimonies. How God anointed you and you made a difference in someone's life. How God anointed this congregation to go beyond the norm. To go beyond maintenance. I'm tired of maintenance. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us a purpose in life, for infusing us with gifts and talents and time, for giving us strength and health, for providing for us, empowering us to go beyond ourselves. I pray for our spiritual family, both here and abroad, that we may reach out and have a revelation of the things that you have prepared for us to do in the coming days. May you give us wisdom, and in that wisdom, revelation of why we are here as a family and as individual families. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.